Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Hello there. My name is Miles Jupp, and I'm just interrupting you as you listen to whatever it is that you actually want to listen to to tell you about the second series of Middle Please Umpire. Middle Please Umpire is a podcast that I, Miles Jupp, if you weren't concentrating when I first introduced myself only moments ago, that's not a criticism, your thoughts are your own and you must focus them wheresoever you yourself choose, host with Mark Wood, the 95-mile-an-hour bowling, England-playing, World Cup-winning, Northumberland-hailing cricket lunatic Mark Wood. It's another series of episodes of the two of us talking about cricket and indeed any other stuff that springs to mind both with each other and also with a succession of frankly illustrious guests. We lift the lid on Mark's life as an international sportsman, basically he spends a lot of time icing himself, and take you on a whistle-stop journey through the windmills of his mind. I, a mere fan, listen agog, giggle excitedly, and try and draw comparisons with my own rather more mundane existence. All episodes of Middle Please Umpire are available right now from your favourite podcast providers. Hello and welcome to Stop. Hammer time, and it's a back to it's a nostalgic uh, stop. Hammer time, going back to the time when we would effortlessly lose two games in a row and then talk about it on the podcast. And uh, here to go back to a, a more innocent uh, time are, uh, as always, Jim Grant. Hello, good Jim. evening. Everything all right? Yeah, very good. Yeah, it's much better, isn't it? Losing and, uh, and you know, it's much. It's, it's, I'm back in my comfort zone now. Comfortingly familiar. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yes, yes. Also joining us this week, it's uh, one of our favourite guests. It is it is journalist, uh, a broadcaster, podcaster, author, presenter, Sam Delaney. Hello, everyone. Uh, I always forget to mention, you say podcasts, but I do do a West Ham podcast called You Irons. Which That's right. Yes, there. yes, yes. I, I, I feel like I should mention because you know you, your audience is West Ham fans. Yes, this, this is an excellent West Ham podcast. That it is. I feel I've been part of the Stop Hammer Time family from very early stage. Yeah, but you, but there, you, if you ever think if you've listened to this week's Stop Hammer Time and you're sort of like, I still am hungry for more West Ham content in my ears, then give you Irons a, a go. 
That's U as in the letter U. Yes, the letter U irons. It's for it's done by it, it, I'm in the employ of the athletic, which yes. is the you know uh well football website, simple as that, really. And you do it with another guy, Roshan. Roshane, Roshane Thomas, who is their West Ham correspondent. Right. So right. he's he's got a brilliant job, young Roshane. He's a really good journalist, and his job is just full-time only writing about West Ham. Right. Full-time job. And it's like that's how they work it at the Athletic. They have a different the individual full-time correspondent for every club, which means that you get, you know, dedicated. If you subscribe, you get dedicated content emailed to you every day just about your team. So they must be curious that that Super League didn't happen because then they'd only have to do 12. They'd only well, have 12 the, of them. The thing is, I only like... West Ham related stuff. Like I've just, I don't really care about any other football anymore. I'm sure you guys feel the same, but it's just other football is boring to me. And I can only, it used to be good football. Uh, It might be that I've got older or maybe just the game really does stink for reasons that we'll probably get into because it's quite Mm. a pertinent moment, but the game just stinks, doesn't it? And, but watching West Ham is enjoyable, especially this season. But um, I, that's why I quite like the athlete because you know I'm not I don't I, when I was when I was a younger man I used to devour the football pages of the newspapers every day I loved it all now I couldn't give a toss I, and I feel that's more common I feel that a lot of people feel that way about just they're just into their own club and that's it. Do you think that's, that's true? true? I wonder. I, yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, that's just yeah. anecdotally. When I say this to people, people say, "Oh, I'm the same, mate. I'm not. Don't really." I mean, you kind of. You pick it up, don't you, through osmosis, the other stuff that's going on in the footballing world. And obviously, we all became engaged in the Super League for Argo because that actually was something that, you know, you you kind of felt compelled to True. get quite passionate about. But on the whole, now nah, I can't, yeah, I, I sort of know what's going on, but I think I probably agree with that. But I think I've always been a bit that way inclined mm. really that, that I'm, I'm a West Ham fan rather than a, a football, football fan. fan in the kind of broad sense although I enjoy the experience of going to watch live football matches yeah. um, and obviously West Ham yeah, but you know Phil and I we occasionally go and watch Bromley um, which is the town where we grew up and um, you know when I was when I had fewer sort of family commitments I would I, I would like or if I was just on holiday some, you know one part of the country I used to quite like taking in a random game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I um, used to like that as well. I used to go. Well, when and... I lived in Leighton, Jim, we used to go and watch yeah, Leighton Orient quite Brilliant. a lot because uh, yeah. Bob Mills, who at the time was a friend of mine on from the comedy scene, uh, in fact, I, th- I don't think we knew he went until we sort of bumped into him, and uh, and then uh, sometimes I go with you, sometimes I go with Millsy, and uh, and because I could just walk to the game, and also it was like six quid to get in in, in <laughs> sort of that nineteen eighty nine to nineteen ninety. Some memorable moments there. We we saw yeah. Peter Shilton's thousandth game. Yeah. What he was playing for Orient, was he? He was playing for Orient against Brighton, I think. Uh, I think basically a club gave him a contract because they knew that his thousandth yeah, game yeah. would crop up during his sort of tenure there and that club yeah, was Orient because it was Barry Hall. They, they probably doubled their gate that day. Oh, yeah, almost. It was certainly, quite a yeah. crowding, wasn't there? But you, um, you Jim, always seem to have a kind of, you know, working knowledge of like who players for other teams are, not just premiership teams. If we get a team in one of the cups, you seem to know 
who a few of their players are. Do you just soak that up from the back pages of the Yeah, newspaper? I think I just kind of read the sports pages, yeah. just sort of keep abreast of stuff occasionally when I can't find anything else to watch, like Sky Sports News just kind of farts mm. about in the background of my living room. Um, and you kind of read the ticker tape things that go across. Yeah, just to, you know. Um, so, yeah, you pick stuff up. But, I, I, you know, I'm not – I don't clear the decks to watch kind of Barcelona versus versus Real Madrid. Or, well, yeah, you know. what, what about at the weekend, right, when there was the League Cup final? City yeah, versus I could give a toss. But, yeah, of course, I didn't watch it. I was no. going to guess you wouldn't have watched it. No one – no one really watched it. I'd be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if some Spurs and City fans couldn't be bothered. But I remember when I was a kid, the Milk Cup final, as it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big deal. Like you yeah. definitely when I was a kid, I would have. You know, it was like yeah, it was second only to the FA Cup. I mean, now I'd probably be. I'd be unlikely to watch the FA Cup. Yeah, no, I don't anymore. It's been. I mean, it's been real. Phil was talking the other week about the excitement of FA Cup Day when you were a kid. Getting yeah. up in the morning and the mm. you know following them at the team hotels and then cup final it's a knockout and uh, all the kind of paraf- it was like a uh, a real red letter day in in the year you look forward to it you know oh it was like it was, it was second, an event FA Cup final day was genuinely genuinely second only to Christmas Day yeah, yeah I agree yeah. in terms of like the the sense of national. Just general widespread excitement. I mean, in the build-up to FA Cup, we, we would do activity FA Cup related activities at school that week. Yes. You know I mean? Like you would for Christmas, you'd be making FA yeah. Cup artwork and decorations or whatever. It was enormous. And yeah. now I couldn't tell you who's in the cup final last year. I think this year it's Leicester versus Chelsea, it which is, actually think, is yeah. quite good because you usually it's like these Super League clubs. You just think it's so tedious. It, it kind of brought it, it home to me how tedious it was, football, for, with the Super League. Because I thought, God, do you know what? Good. Ri-. There was a moment where I thought it was going to happen. I thought, do you know what? Good riddance to them. I agree. Because, because I thought, it's so boring. And in the 80s, when I was first into football, I know it was even more the case in the 70s, when you old timers will uh, be familiar with uh, <laughs> football of, those, of that era. But in the 80s, for me, it was like, it, I suppose Liverpool and Everton were dominant, right? But the FA Cup in particular was always really exciting because you'd get West Ham, Coventry, Watford, Wimbledon, all these other clubs uh, getting, you know, going on runs, and it would be a really big deal if they reached the final. Palace, won it. Palace, yeah, and and uh, and the league yeah. was interesting. Now, all this—the reason we don't remember who was in the cup final is because it's always a combination of like. City, United, Arsenal, Chelsea or Liverpool. It's really dull. Nobody cares, you know, and it's so repetitive. And the only real highlight that you can remember in recent years where there was something really exciting and thrilling happened was when Leicester won the league. Yeah. And as soon as they did, you know, Chelsea and City just swarmed in with their foreign billions and basically stripped that squad. You know, yeah, yeah. and it just some, and that's why I said football for so many reasons stinks. And I thought, wouldn't it? I, I just started thinking, wouldn't it be great if there was a league season where it, you know, the clubs competing were these enormous, re, enormous clubs who you could argue are as big as a lot of those Super League clubs. Anyway, you know, you look at teams like Newcastle and Aston Villa, 
and Leeds United. These are clubs from enormous cities with yeah. massive passionate followings and big, big stadiums, right? And I'm thinking, yeah, Everton, right? That, that yeah. lot, Everton, us, bloody brilliant. What a league season that would be, wouldn't it? Well, that was, you know, like we were talking a little bit last week about, I remember Jim, so years ago, you sort of positing the idea that there might eventually be some sort of closed circuit league with no relegation and no promotion. And and what you were saying was that it would probably, it would be more likely to have the traditionally big clubs in terms not of their money, but their sort of supportership. So mm. it would be Leeds and Forest and mm. Wednesday and those sort of big, although traditionally uh, teams teams that have had a, a big crowd come to see yeah, them. Big city, big city yeah, teams big city teams as well, club. you know. Yeah. But, but the thing is, is that what's stupid, what, what I think is ill-informed, because it, this won't go away, I don't know. I think Super League, that notion, if there was that much money behind it, there were people willing to put billions. These clubs like Real Madrid, and it's the, who are skint, are not just going to walk away yeah, and think, yeah, oh, well, yeah. we tried. Oh, well, never mind, right? These bit, This is a big companies who are in huge debt, and they yeah, are yeah. fighting for their lives, right? And, and the likes of United, Spurs, Real Madrid, Barcelona, the Italian clubs, they'll, they'll do whatever it takes. And so it will come back. But the, the problem they've got is, is that they think, oh, yeah, it's really short-sighted and it shows a misunderstanding of football because they think we're the clubs. These clubs are the ones that have the big global following and the millions yeah. of fans yeah, in yeah. places like China and Thailand and India and all of this, right? So that's all that matters. But what they don't understand is that football is completely fluid, right? In the 60s, before Shankly took over, Liverpool were a small provincial club who yo-yoed between the divisions, you know. And then you've got clubs like Chelsea and City who've come from nowhere because of foreign billions coming into the game. But the reason the game is exciting is because those things can happen, you know. And if you just say, well, we're drawing a line under that now forever. So whoever happens to be at this exact moment, the teams who have the most global attention, right, they're the ones who are going to this league. That league becomes boring. So if Leeds United or West Ham or or Villa or whoever, bloody Southampton or Norwich, suddenly start to be very successful in the remaining English league, it will be those teams that start yeah, getting yeah. a following in. You know, they'll just move on. These te- these these um, fans in foreign countries, they follow whoever is exciting at the time. My mate, who's a West Ham fan, lived in Thailand for 10 years. He said, oh... I said, do they all, is it true they're all wearing United shirts? He goes, no, they all wear Leicester shirts now because the bloke, it's tie owned. But before that, they wore City shirts. He goes, it changes every couple of years depending on who's won the league, basically. It's, um, it's, it's, sorry. Go on, Jim. Well, I was going to say it's childish. Mm. I mean, that's what kids do. I mean, you know, kids support because they don't like having the piss taken out of them by their mates for sporting a shit team. They support the successful. So, like, there are loads of people of our generation, Phil, who are Leeds United fans, aren't there? Mm. Yeah, you yeah. Know, and, but and my generation, no they're all Liverpool fans. At yeah. all. Or Liverpool. So, so um, many kids of my age but, support Liverpool, yeah. But they've stuck with it, you know. So I've got a very yeah. good friend who's a Leeds fan from the 1973 Cup final when everybody wanted Sunderland to win and he perversely kind of, you know, said, well, in that case, I'm going to support Leeds. But he stayed with it. And, of course, you know, he's been... Uh, following leads all through their shit times. But, um, Whereas, uh, you know, those Far Eastern fans, they're just permanent children in that 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's but it's you know the notion that uh, that European Super League is sort of predicated on that idea that um, it's um, you know young people. I've been to Kuala Lumpur for you know quite a few times, and on a Saturday night because it's it's at ten o'clock on a Saturday night, it's three o'clock on a Saturday afternoon in England. So they get live Premier League games, which they're showing in nightclubs because it's ten o'clock on a Saturday night, and the girls are you know dressed up to the nines, and the blokes have got really nice kind of trousers and shoes and then a Chelsea top. You know, that's fine in a way. They're, you know, they're fair weather fans that support one thing or the other. But the idea that the European Super League is predicated on that is crazy. You go, there's not enough of them. And I think the idea that, you know, someone that that's, uh, supports, um, you know, Atalanta, if Atalanta aren't in uh, the Super League, they'll go, oh, well, I'll watch this game between Real Madrid and and Tottenham Hotspur, I don't think they will. And no. similarly, West Ham fans aren't going to go, I love football. I just love football for the concept of football. Yeah. And so I will watch, uh, you know, Manchester City I play think, Barcelona yeah. on a Sunday night. I you don't know, give a fuck, you know. The, fa- the fairy tale of, ever, of all this stuff, right, is you waiting. You need big clubs, but the, 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 the part they play in, in the narrative of football for those of us who are, you know, neutral in a game they're involved in, is to sort of, for you to support whoever they're playing against. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So what I mean is, is that United are, you know, arguably the best supported club on the planet, right? Certainly in this country, they are the best supported team in this country, right? But the majority of people watching a United game are not United fans, right? Yeah, that's right. And the idea that the team they're playing against might get one over on them is what makes football really exciting and engaging. And the fact that it happens, not regularly, but it happens more often than that sort of thing would happen in most other sports, you know, is what yeah. makes football amazing and beautiful. And it is that it's those kind of principles and, and those narratives that built football to the status it's at and has been for many years as the, the world's favourite sport, the most popular sport, arguably the most popular form of entertainment in the world. And so the guys who then got involved in that and thought, well, we'll get involved in that because it's so popular, it's got to be worth money. They've looked in and they thought, what if we, what if we could monetize this by stripping back all of the things that actually made it originally uh, popular? Because that's yeah, yes. what basically what they're doing. Yeah. It's the yeah, maddest it business idea of all time. Yeah. You yeah. Know? It's like I'm going to buy Coca-Cola, but we've realised it's easier to just remove the sugar. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Well, we're going to we're going to take the sugar out of Coca-Cola. I'm going to buy it for a billion pounds, then remove the sugar from it. People will still buy it because it looks the same. You know. It's well, it's like when you see, you know, it's like those when you see sort of a successful novel or a successful film, and someone, uh, some company, basically just changes the DVD box or the book cover of a book yeah. they've got to make it look a bit like that yeah. film. It's yeah, like it's they've trick seen people. They've yeah. seen the surface of what they think people like about football and they're thinking that they can replicate that but everything that's under the surface of the water of the iceberg of football supportership uh, they've completely disregarded i do that's exactly right that's how you've put it is spot on and that is like yeah a reflection of the fact that the people behind this idea cannot be football fans because it doesn't take it takes neither 
you know, it doesn't take a huge amount of intelligence to understand this. And it doesn't even involve you being like, you know, the world's biggest football fan. It just involves you being a football fan to understand the things that make football good, you know. And so these people must have no knowledge whatsoever. And that's why I suspect that this is all driven, certainly if not by actual Americans, but certainly by an American mentality. Do you know what I mean? Where it's like... Like someone once said, how can I possibly make, uh, how can I make a business out of something where you can be relegated? It makes sense. And that's true. You can't. It doesn't, it means you can't plan for anything really with any security whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, You know, that's why football is a sport and not ultimately a business. However hard people try, you can't make it a pure business. You can't make it conform to the principles of business in a pure sense without ruining the very essence of what makes it popular. So really from a businessman's point of view, it's a complete catch 22. Yeah. 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 I, I and, mean, uh, and, yeah, go on. go on. Jim. No, go on, Jim. Well, I, I, I was going to say sort of, and ironically what, what all the huge mega billions of money that's gone into it and all the, all the money they've, the, uh, the billionaires have, have pumped into the, the game has landed up with a, an unsustainable business model. Yes, exactly. and that's part of the problem. I mean, they're, they're, that's they're, what's mad about it. They're saying, "Oh, football's broken. We really need to. We really need to well, it's broken because you fucking well broke it. That's why I know. And you're what I love about it is last week, didn't we? We did last week is kind of going. You know, we can't make enough. We can't make the amount of money out of football that we want to make. And you go, well, that's just the amount of fucking money. Yeah, there is exactly. You know, you, you can't, if you have a news agent, you can't kind of go, is there any way we could sell these Snickers bars for £250 each? No. <laughs> but then what they do is they go... Every day is the fucking amount you'll make because what, you've got a news agent. But yeah. the, the other thing is they go, listen, right, sales of Snickers have gone through the roof recently. We're selling out. So we're thinking of upping the price. And they go, no, you can't. You, you have to understand the only reason you're selling 100 Snickers a day is because you're selling them for that price, which is a fair price, 80p or whatever it is, right? And they go, right, okay. So then they go to the bank. They go, hi, we're selling a lot of Snickers. So we want you to lend us a billion pounds so we can invest in loads more Snickers and other things like making our shop bigger and making the roof built of gold. Right. And the bank go, OK, but they go, you don't need to worry about us paying you back because we'll pay you back in increments over 100 years because these Snickers are never, ever going to go out of fashion. <laughs> right. So they leverage it. The point is, is that it, it's like you've got a load of money. So you spend more money than you've got. It makes no sense. The random facts when, you you know, I've heard people like Simon Jordan, former football club owners, talk about it and say, you can't, and Alan Sugar, you, you can't ever make money because however much money comes in, you're always sort of feel obliged or forced to spend more than, than you've got. So we've got, currently the Premier League is, is benefiting from the biggest ever television deal, right? Mm-hmm. So all these clubs in the Premier League have got crazy money, right? And yet you've got a club like West Ham who are still struggling all the time financially, you know, and it's like, that's not just shit that the ludicrous owners say, you know, the, the accounts and the finances of this club have been made public and you can see, yeah, this is a club that is still suffering from things that happened in the past and, and sort of struggles. Right. And the re- but the reason we struggle, if you look just at, at our case, it seems to me is that you look at our accounts, the last accounts that were published, it's like 
it's because we've bought loads of expensive players. There will be fans that well, no, we haven't. We haven't bought enough, but we did. We bought we bought a load of overpriced <laughs> players, right? We paid them like extraordinarily high wages, right? And then we sacked managers, right, who we had to pay off as well. And so however much money we were getting from the huge television deal and all of the sponsorship deals and all of and and the gate receipts that we were getting before COVID in our 60,000 stadium, right? It doesn't matter because we will always, for some reason, and, you know, we're not unusual in this, all clubs do it, we will account for like, I don't know, 50% more than we're bringing in. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, Barcelona Barcelona have many of the best players in the world and they are a billion euros in debt. Yeah, because (laughs) the owners will always say, though, this is what the owners will say, going back to like some job, they'll go, yeah, but it's because of the fans. And they're right about that. The fans will always be saying, however much you you spend, the fans will be saying spend more. So we always do this, West Ham fans. We go, right, well, yeah, yeah, all right, all right. You bought Felipe Anderson. All right, you bought Sebastian Hilaire, right? All right, fine. We accept that. But why haven't you also bought the following players, right? And you haven't because you're a disgrace and you're stealing all the money for yourselves and putting it in your own pockets, aren't you? That's what West Ham fans say about the owners. It's what every fan says about the club's owners. They all say, we've got loads of money, but you're keeping the money secret. Right. And you're lying in your own pockets instead of buying those players. The truth is, and I'm not defending our owners who I think are awful, but the truth is they are spending all the money and more on yeah. things like yeah. players and wages. And that's the stupid thing. And actually what they should do to an extent is just fucking ignore fans a little bit more. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the problem is, is that if, if they ignore the fans and say, well, we're going to spend our means, all the other clubs don't. All the other clubs are spending beyond their means, and so you do end up getting relegated. So you can't, you can't really win, can you? Because no, if you no. say we're going to spend within our means, but then even clubs are like small clubs around you, like I don't know, in Burnley, will be going. Oh, we don't care. We're just borrowing loads more money off the bank, and we're going to set that against future TV revenues, and we're going to spend way beyond our means. So then they build better squads. We go down, and you lose money. Yeah. So. It is difficult, I think, in a way. I mean, you know, the team this year, uh, you know, if, if there's any sort of narrative from uh, from the from the media about West Ham, it is that that it's a team of you know players that cost you know um, you know eleven million or seven million or mm. five million instead of forty five fifty million. And yeah. Leicester, when they won the division, you know, was sort of yeah, similar. Yeah. And so, I mean, people do see that in action, but it's very it doesn't take them very long for for a team that you see as a rival buying some kind of desirable player from, from the Italian league that became available and spending £47 million on them and go, why didn't we do that? Why didn't we do that? You know, mm-hmm. and um, mm-hmm. it is difficult. It comes up. It's sort of, um, going back to that, it does, I like, I sort of, in a funny way, I really like that Real Madrid guy who, he's a bit like Berlusconi. I wonder Florentino if there is. Florentino Perez, yeah. yeah. Basically, Very similar. All, yeah. Of, all of the, all of the kind of, owners of the you know the six premier league clubs at least made this kind of um uh, uh made a token nod to apologizing yeah. to them even though they didn't yeah. mealy mouthed <laughs> apology but the the, the the real madrid guy is just like do you have one this time 
When you least expect it, the European Super League will strike. (laughs) When you sleep, when you sleep in your bed at night. Yes. What is that shadow moving in? Did you hear the sound? (laughs) Coming from inside the room. It's the European Super League. It's watching you. You know, it was your children and your wife. European it's very interesting with the uh, European Super League sounds like Louis Poamorte. <laughs> yes, yes. He'll turn out to be behind it, you know, um, as I yeah. suspected him all along. Yeah, yeah. He is saying, though, isn't he, that they're, they've all signed binding contracts. So yeah, I yeah. wonder if they are yeah. about to kind of yeah, they, they, fall they, they, out they, with each other. doubling down on it. Going, it's not wrong. sign legal scrap. All right, maybe I'm an idiot, right? But they're all the, the, the it was said, it was reported that they'd all were going to be given a what was it, 300 million <laughs> golden handshake signing on fee, right? Yes. So obviously, obviously, right? Anyone who has ever run any sort of business or just been a freelancer like you and I are felt, right? Mm-hmm. You get it, you think fucking hell what? You want me to join this new job and you're going to give me 300 million quid just to sign. And then that's before the actual real money starts flowing in. It's fucking difficult to say no to that. If you are Tottenham Hotspur or Manchester United, right? And you are you are saddled up to the bollocks with debt, right? Spurs with all that stadium debt and not going to qualify for the Champions League this year, you know, and all that sort of stuff. You start, Fucking hell, I just can't be bothered thinking about anything other than just saying yes and getting my hands on that money. Now, who's putting that money up? I assume, but I might be stupid, that this is a conglomerate of, you know, billion pounds. J.P. Morgan, wasn't it? It was sort of going to be underwritten by J.P. Morgan. And for them, for these sorts of huge finance finance companies, right, who invest in stuff like this non-stop around the world, in all sorts of mad tech ideas, right, if someone says... We just need a billion quid to launch this thing. It's and they go, what is it? What industry? Sports? Hmm. Don't know. What sport? Soccer. Oh yeah, that's pretty big, isn't it? Yeah, we think it's got a global audience of a billion. You know, really highly engaged fans. Oh, okay, that's quite cheap. Yeah, we'll give you the money for that. No problem. Right? It's not a big deal. And um, because they throw money like this, these investment companies around all the time, and yeah. then they get a phone call saying no. Um, all of the CEOs who signed that contract are backing out. Why? Because their customers express some like <laughs> concern about it. These these investment people are like, fuck that. There's legal contracts here. We will put you out of business. We will take you to court. We are richer than you. We got better lawyers than you. We'll take you to court and put you out of business, mate. You've signed up to this. I yeah. reckon they've all got together and gone, listen, lads. We're going to have to lie low. Obviously, we can't walk out on this. So just all issue statements saying we're not going to do it. Lie low, regroup, think of a better better PR strategy than the one that we used last week, which was the worst PR disaster of all time. And I say that, I actually know the woman who ran it, and she is very clever indeed. And I don't think it was her fault by any means. I think, you know, you can't really run a PR campaign that easily for a product that bad no. that it's been thrown together with so, so little thought. But um, I think that they're going to regroup and think of some tweaks that they can make and some learnings mm-hmm. they can take out of people's responses. And maybe, I, w- I wouldn't be surprised if what they did was, I, I noticed Flores 
spoke a lot about how ultimately we were doing this to try and give more money back into the game. Right? <laughs> a bit fucking vague. It was the second funniest thing he said after his expl- his initial explanation being, well, the problem we've got is, see, the problem we've got is that no one likes football anymore. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you, I'm te- you might not know this, right, but I'm doing this out of goodness of my heart. Oh, I'd love to just carry on with football as is. The problem is everyone hates it. Literally, no one's watching football. That's yeah. why we've had to rethink it. Right, so you should be thanking us, and you're there yeah. going, "What? <laughs> no one likes it. The kids aren't watching it, mate. Trust me. Yes, they fucking are. Everyone's watching football. You nutter. It's the most popular thing in the whole world. Um, but he's he's gonna regroup, isn't he? And think we're gonna come back with something else. And I wouldn't be surprised if one of those things might be we're gonna do it, but in order to compensate, we're gonna chuck every season a billion quid. Or whatever you know at the at the leagues we leave behind. Do you see what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, the, uh, so the so the Premier League by letting them that so if you let those six teams stay in the Premier League as well as playing the Super League, which is what they're playing, the Super League will redistribute some of its riches back to the Premier League, and they go right every year. We're basically loaning clubs off of you to play in our tournament, and we will pay you a loan fee of a billion pounds. And the Premier League, you know, money talks to all of these uh, organisations. They go, yeah, we will take that, and they'd have to do the same with Serie A and La Liga and all the rest of it, won't they? Yeah, 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 yeah. That that's why there has to be the, you know, with these reviews and you know the the, the way in which the story's gone and and the. There has to be teeth in in any kind of government review, and there's got to be now's an opportunity to write into law, but either either the the rules of the the league itself, or um, you know, in 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 statute law, um, uh, mechanisms that will stop them uh, from from doing this. And I think that's the way to punish them. Really, is to is to Say right, you 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 you've you've wanted to destroy <laughs> our league. Uh, we're now going to make you sign up to rules that mean uh, you simply can't do that again. Um, uh, and if we don't do that, then you're right. I think it will come back. I mean, uh, you know, um, but it's an opportunity. There's an opportunity for the rest of football to kind of uh, you know claim back. Territory. I, I, I mean, football really, and I can't see how it happened. But the best thing for football would be to just take their, its foot off the gas. That you know, it, not to get philosophical, but the old problem with the world is that there is an obsession with growth for growth's sake. Yes, the way that yeah. every country judges yeah. itself on its yearly growth in GDP. Why? Do you know what I mean? Everything yeah. has to grow, and, and it, we as individuals all become can all too easily become preoccupied with that stuff where you think what did i do this year did i do better than last year or whatever accumulate you know everyone gets sucked into that into one degree or another some more than others and it's just like that's what's fucking just ruins everything is it yeah, is well, it's a, a huge it, sort of societal it, thing isn't it there's it a is, sort of you know it's an the, irrational um... <laughs> preoccupation with growth and football should think football doesn't need to keep getting bigger in order to still be good. In fact, it would probably improve if it just took its foot off the gas and stopped feeling like everything had to be so bombastic and every squad needed to get five new players on extra wages, on on bigger and bigger wages every single year. And everyone had to move into a bigger state. 
Why did Tottenham have to go? I mean, I look at now, I thought the move to London Stadium was good. I backed it. Now I regret it. And part of it is the part of my support as well. I mean, we're never going to grow unless we move to a bigger stadium. Mm -hmm. Now I think, and I had some mates who who said this to me at the time, and I don't know, I probably thought, oh, they're so naive about business, right? Or something like that. Like, well, why why do we need to grow? And then it's like, well, if we don't grow, then we can't compete with the other clubs who are as big. It's like, it, don't worry about all that. We don't. You don't have to just keep shooting for the moon the whole time. Yeah, yeah well, it's difficult, isn't it? Because you're sort of fighting against history. Because the the you know partially the you know 1992 splitting away of the Premier League was kind of part of that. Because yeah, um, you know certainly those yo-yo years from '89 to '93. It didn't sort of really bother me that we were in the second flight. You know, no. you actually won slightly more games. They're similar teams. The football maintains a sort of similar quality. But then, yeah, and also there's became... excitement, isn't there? Because you're in a yeah. battle constantly. And and it, I found in those years that when we were battling at the top of the the second tier, it was much more exciting yeah. than being yeah. in the mid table in the top tier. Because actually, you stop caring who the team you're playing against star. You just play yeah. what's in front of you. And suddenly, if your main bloody competition for a playoff spot is Swindon Town, then playing Swindon Town feels every bit as exciting as playing Manchester United. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Everything's relative in football. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Uh, no, it's interesting. Um, we should probably talk about... <laughs> yeah. um, uh, we actually United agreed before the podcast that the Super League was not <laughs> worth talking about because everything had been said. Yes. But yes. it's quite it's strangely addictive. Yeah, yeah. Um, yes. I mean, there's, you know, there's more to say in a way. Maybe we'll talk yeah, about the game and then yeah, we'll say a bit more because <laughs> yeah, I've yeah. sort of got things I now want to say. Anyway, <laughs> so we played Chelsea at the weekend. If you want an e-bike that doesn't look like it's made for the shopping precinct, something that's less Mr Bean and more Steve McQueen, check out the range of bikes from London-based Cooler King. From dope 250-watt city bikes to Harley Bobber-inspired 750-watt beasts that can tear your face off while leaving your smile intact. Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers, yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web at cooler.bike or find them on Instagram with hashtag CoolerKingBike. Cooler.bike. E-bikes that are cool AF. We played Chelsea at the weekend and, um, you know, a couple of bits of press coverage I saw sort of articulate, you know, Jacob Steinberg in The Guardian and um, I can't remember the other one, sort of articulated what I thought was that there was a little bit of, it feels like a little bit of a bridge too far. There was some fatigue there. It was a tired, it was a sort of limp, ineffective performance from West Ham. That said, uh, we played a team that spent £200 million in the summer, 150 million of it on strikers, and there was only one goal in the game, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't. I actually don't agree with that. I think that this was a game where we were playing a really good team. Right? Yes, Chelsea, yes. Chelsea are, have, have become a good team now. They're in the cup one. They're in the semi final of the Champions League. They were. They should, on the basis of their squad, 
have competed. I, I expected them to be City's main competition. Oh, I yeah. expected them to be yeah. with City and Liverpool this season. And Liverpool, yeah. uh, but they and I think they will next season. I think it will be them versus City for the league next season, right? They were they're really right, yeah. good. They're really well organised. They're not thrilling yet. They might be next year. But what they are is that, and we matched. This was an even game. Yeah, that they nicked with one goal, and that's it. And the reason we might have looked, we didn't look fatigued. We just looked less buccaneering and extravagant than we did against Leicester and Wolves and Arsenal. Because we were playing a team that was much better organised and much more defensively sound than that. Yeah, yeah. And and just tactically went up better against us. So that to me is it. And, you know, on top of that, we are missing, you could argue, oh God, yeah, four yeah, yeah. key players. The, the spine four, of the team, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm not sure about the fatigue thing. I thought, I thought, you know, once again, you know, they ran and ran, and and uh, I thought they put up a, a decent show, especially second half, and especially after the sending off in me, in yeah. many ways. Um, yeah, I think you're right, Sam. I think I think Tuchel is a very, very, very good manager. We're about to see over the coming seasons just how good he is. Mm. Um, you don't rise to the top that quickly at that age without without having there being something to it, and they game match. It was absolute a game match. They got that goal actually against the run of play when they scored. Absolutely, the goal, although they started well. As they pointed we out on the commentary, game. I brought Chris yeah. Coleman. Uh, oh, I know it's on social media. Divided opinion. No breath of fresh air. I thought. But I thought he was good, and I thought he yeah. was very positive about West Ham throughout. So maybe that's why I thought he was good. <laughs> he, he said he he's you know he was really praising us, and then they went one and he said quite rightly. That was against the run of play. Yeah. And it was it felt a bit like a sucker punch goal. It was just one of those goals where it was like bam, bam, bang. How did that happen? You know? Yeah. I mean, we've got we've got a tendency when we play with the three at the back, we've got a slight tendency when they drop deep to all drop on a line around the edge of the six-yard box. And then there tends to be that space around the penalty spot yeah. that you're so often rice picks up. Yeah. Rice yeah, steals, totally rice steals, snuffs those things out. Um, and Suchek almost got to it, didn't he? You know, bless him. Yeah, there was a strange uh, yeah. hesitation between him yeah. and Albuena. Like, I think yeah. Suchek could have got it, but he thought he might score an own goal. That's yeah, what it looked maybe. like to me. It yeah. looked like he, he was going to get his telescopic leg to it, and then he sort of pulled it back a bit, and then he then him and Balbuena sort of looked at each other a little bit like Laurel and Hardy, you know, like what, mm. what happened there. But I think that Suchek thought if I make connection, yeah. it might go in. So I'll leave it for Balbuena. But, but it was a good ball hit with pace. I mean, the, it was a good the, goal. For I, them I felt that the it cross... wasn't like a fuck up, you know. It was, no, uh... well, yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's the other thing. It was just a goal. It was just a 1 0 against yeah, a good absolutely. team, yeah. you know, against a team who cost loads more than us when we were missing all of our key, but most of our key players. And if Rice had been playing, I think we would have at least nicked a draw in that game. You yeah, know, so. I, I felt yes. we deserved a draw, to be honest. I thought yeah. we, were, we were worth the point. Um, second half, I thought we had a really good spell, um, you know, where we created some chances and and, and kept the ball well and, and, and you know, worked it around and, look, and looked threatening at times. But, I, I, you know, having said all that, I, I, kind, of, I kind of agree with it. I, I think it, it does feel we've hit a bit of a wall. Um, you know, with the injuries mounting up and eventually, you know, you can't keep sustaining a level of performance without Rice and Antonio. Um, uh, you know, they're such important players for the way that the, the team functions. 
Um, and, you know, we've been hanging on in there, those three twos, you know, just the battle back against Newcastle, you know, very nearly got something out of that. But there's that sort of sense of sort of slowly clinging yeah. onto something and kind of sliding yeah. down, like wily coyotes you know, that, sliding that, down a wall. You know? My attitude towards this season is, right, we cannot, and I know you two haven't done this, I listen to pod every week, so I'm not accusing you, but I will not allow myself to have any sense of uh, negativity, right, or disappointment, no matter what happens. Because we have sat for, even in the lifespan of this podcast, right, we have sat through almost constant shit, right? (laughs) And this season, no matter what we're doing, and this season, we have won more games than we've lost, right? Absolutely, yeah. And and we have had some incredible performances, some... uh, Magical moments that will live in our memory forever. You know, certain moments like Lingard's, so many of Lingard's goals. I mean, you know, obviously Lanzini against Spurs. All of these things. It it doesn't matter what happens in these last five games. It matters for Chelsea and it matters for Liverpool because these are clubs who plan, build everything around an expectation to finish in that top four. And to not do so is a bloody disaster. For us, we're expecting a relegation battle. This season began with everyone going mental over the fact that we'd sold Grady Diangana, a player yeah. and even played for us for over a year. And, and everyone, including me, by the way, acted like it was almost as extreme as the response to the Super League announcement. <laughs> They've sold Diangana! They've sold Diangana! Yeah. Now, it's like, oh yeah, remember Grady Diangana? Do you remember when we thought... A lot of people uh, remember where they were when they heard like, that Grady Diangana like, was going to be yeah. sold. Everyone reacted like JFK had been shot or Diana yeah. had died all over, yeah. all at once. Yeah. Imagine if it all happened on the same day. Right. Um, um, yeah, that Grady Diangana's mum's house had uh, 150,000 bouquets of flowers <laughs> lent up against the gates. It's <laughs> like, we were like... At, burst into tears. It was peak West Ham. It was peak West Ham in terms of our tendency, and I do include myself, so I'm not, you know... Because I was furious about it. And you're going, ah, we've got to, our club's dead. We've got to get them out of this club. You have murdered our club. Yeah. You, have, you have murdered the ghost of Bobby Moore. Right? <laughs> what? what? By selling Grady Diangana to West Bromwich Albion for 18 million pounds. This club is over. I'm tearing up the season ticket. Yeah. Right? Everyone's going fucking bananas. Backshit mental. Right? Yeah. And now there are five games to go. We are fifth, right? And we are three points off the Champions League. And just that, I'm happy to celebrate now. And if we lose our yeah. last five, I refuse to have sat through the shit we've sat through and then still be a moaning dickhead after the season we've had. Because yeah, yeah. my, my attitude is if you're a West Ham fan and you're not, and you're anything other than totally delighted at the moment, yeah. Then you know you you should really consider switching teams because yeah. I will tell you now it might and it might be a bleak thing to say but it might not get better than this certainly not for yeah. when it happens because once a decade we have a good season worryingly we we've had if that can, pattern continues right we won't have one next decade. Well, no, we've, this is 2021, so we've gone too early. We've oh, got yeah, nine, yeah, we've got nine, yeah, sorry, we've yeah, got yeah, nine yeah. fucking years now, 
to, yeah. to wait, right? Because I do it, my tech decades like in tax decades. So oh, from, right, okay. so from two thousand five to fifteen. Yeah, of course. I forgot you yeah. did that. Yeah, but yeah. the but you know, like in the eighties we had eighty six, right? Yeah. Uh, in in the nineties we had this, I think one season under Red Nap where we finished fifth. Yeah, right. 97, 98. And then we had... Then we oh, 98, had a, 99. Then in the noughties, we had a, a, the season we got to the cup final. And then in the 2010s, we had the Piat season, right? Yep. And when you have these seasons, because I've been there for all of them, you go, well, this is just the beginning, lads. Wait until you see in the summer when we sign some new additions and build on these foundations to make ourselves even better. Yeah, but yeah. unfortunately, it doesn't always happen that way. So you might as well fucking relish this now because you could be waiting another 10, 15 years for it to happen again. A couple of weeks ago, you know, I, I sort of said that when, when we were getting into... Uh, and in fact, Mark Noble made a good point when, he, when a microphone was thrust into his face. He sort of said, you know, we're in a really good position now. And when we get into single figures number of games left i hope that we're in a position where we can sort of play with a bit of freedom and stuff what unfortunately has happened is that injuries have occurred at yeah. exactly that yeah. point so it's yeah. difficult and and but but also you know a couple of weeks into you know probably at the, at the time we were getting into kind of eight games left i just thought i want to beat the 2016 point total that's all I want, and that would all we've 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 only got to get eight more points to do that. And if we do that, that'd be great. It's not that I don't want something better than that. Obviously, you yeah, hate yeah. this club, Phil. You yeah, hate yeah. It's like, yeah, on social yeah. media, you say people sort of saying I would settle for blah 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 blah, and people go, "You monster! Yeah. This you is it. This, this is exactly the sort of attitude that's held this club back." Right? Yeah. Like, well, no, because my attitude right has no bearing. Yeah, 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 yeah. on the outcomes of this team. Unfortunately, I wish it did because I wish that, you know, I had control of the team, right? Yeah. <laughs> but what I say on Twitter or on a podcast has no bearing. It's just my own personal opinion, right? Yeah. My personal yeah. opinion is you you really, I will be fucking delighted. I mean, we could lose the last five games, right? Or we could win all five of them. But I'm just going to be delighted from here on in, right? Yeah. And I, to be honest, I've been delighted most of this season because it's just been non-stop and even even in defeat against Newcastle it was a you know you've got to think we were with 10 men and we got back to two all that is incredible yeah. that shows incredible character against Chelsea with the bare bones of a squad left you know with a, a our reserve right back playing left wing back right yeah. uh all of these things stacked against us you know two of our first choice center backs out that our only centre forward injured, our captain and best player injured. I totally agree. There were things about that. I didn't come away that gutted from that Chelsea game because there were things about that that Chelsea game that were so different from just about every other West Ham Chelsea game you've watched in the last decade or two. Was oh, well, we, we, we had to a lot of them. We felt equal. We, we felt equal. Yeah, they were sitting back defending, and we were trying to break them down. Yeah, when has that yeah. ever happened? You know, in living memory, big you know, clubs West Ham are treating us with respect. When we play Everton, which is the when you look at our remaining fixtures, massive is, game that is. is the one that we most is the the one that you're going to worry about a bit more, right? Yeah, uh, Everton. We've already beaten them at Goodison, and Everton will be really. It will be tough because they might defend against us, and and generally speaking, we're we're better against teams who 
come at us. Yeah. Well, I think that's that's the difficulty of the remaining fixtures is that is that we've got to find ways of breaking uh, teams down. Teams also one or two, you know, Burnley are coming off the back of a very good result, mm. Um, mm. and you know, traditionally bullious at the back, you know, Wood and and um, Barnes and whatnot. They, mm. You know, they, they they they're physical and they they tend to you know uh, bully us a bit. Um, Brighton, we we really struggle with their bogey team, yeah, yeah, aren't yeah. they? Um, well, I, th- I think you know. I think you know. The both Steve Bruce and uh, Tuchel had obviously seen the three previous games where we'd scored three in the first half hour and yeah. set out to contain us yeah, so that absolutely. that didn't happen again. So when you go, when you reach a kind of half hour into the game point, a third of the way through the match, and you haven't scored, it becomes a different game than the ones yeah. we were used to where we flew yeah. out the blocks. And uh, we, you know, we have to, you know, learn how to deal with that and whether that's just keeping to the game plan and sticking on being patient. Um, again, sort of having Rice... Missing uh, doesn't help with that. There were times because Newcastle sat deep, we were not sort of swift enough with movement with the ball. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Rice is great at launching counterattacks. He moves it quickly, and that's when we're good. And but what we are, our attacking threat comes from being explosive. Yeah. Right. We've got those explosive players like Lingard and Bowen. And when everyone's fit, Antonio up front, it's such a handful. And that's why we break out defence and, and and Rice and Suchek are able to look up and play first-time balls out. We know Noble loves... if He, he prefers to take between 18 and 30 touches before yes. releasing the ball. Yes. That's just what he enjoys, right? Yeah, absolutely. And so you don't have that and you don't have that explosiveness. And if, and if teams sit really deep or you know just it's it's hard because they what they've done is they've stemmed that flow if the ball reaches bowen uh yeah bowen or um lingard on the break and they're in space they can both run like 80 yards in a couple of seconds do you know what i mean they just they just bomb and then suddenly you are we're in a goal scoring opportunity that is why i believe and i've always had a funny feeling that Ben Rama, who was the big story um, in, at the beginning of the season, and we all thought he was going to be the saviour, and then it turns out he's a bit of a cameo, and we've talked about him before, and like, you know, do you rate him, do you not rate him? And he's gone very off the scene over the last few weeks, right? Very off the scene. Like, yeah. Moyes has made his mind up, no, four nails, it's going to be four nails, and and um, and Ben Rama must be thinking, God, even with the injuries, I'm still not, I'm still only getting cameo roles. But, I've always had a feeling that Ben Rama will play a big role in this Me? running, right? He will yeah. get. And, and Jim, you said this a couple of weeks. And if we're I playing, so, yeah. if we're playing teams who are going to sit deep, right, and are hard to break down, you need that one player who's going to just be able to pull something outrageous out, right? And I think we've got two players who can do that because even Lingard, who I think's wonderful, he's not a player. What he does is he'll accelerate past people. But you know when they're sitting deep and you can't do that, you need some of a trick. And that is Ben Rama and Masuaka are the two players in our team who can do that, who can beat tight markers with tricks and skill. And I think yeah. that Ben Rama should start these next few games. I yeah. don't know who it plays on, but I think he should. 
Uh, you know, it's, it's it, again on social media. There's a sort of conclusion that that David Moyes hates Ben Rama, and mm. uh, he's not a Moyes player. He hates him. He was sort of foisted on him by by Sullivan and Gold. But I uh, but I think really in these last few games, the truth is that he's playing five at the back in these games, and he prefers Mark Noble in the middle of the pitch to be yeah. a Declan Rice, a direct Declan Rice yeah. replacement. And so there's no place for Ben Rama. He hasn't been. It's no. not, you know, I, I if, you, if, you I, had, if you had one spot in your team and you had, you know, Ronaldo and Messi and you picked one of them, it doesn't mean you hate the other one. And, and I, 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 I agree. I, I like what I've seen of Ben Rama. And, you know, he, he, he just hasn't played in the last few I, games. I think, and, I think when you play a team that defends like we came up against with Newcastle, uh, the sit deep and and Burnley will do that. These teams, you know, a lot of them still aren't completely safe from relegation, and so they cannot afford to lose. And they will sit deep because they'll think that's the best way of, um, you know, combating the threat on the break of Lingard and Bowen. Mm. And I would say you should probably play Ben Rama in place of Four Nows. Much as I like Four Nows, Four Nows it, it was is kind of playing as a you know as a what an attack central attacking midfielder sort of, really. yeah like a number 10 but, link but up Mo- man Moyes loves him because he also works as well as attacks yeah I think you just got to let Ben Rama ro- roam free we've seen him do it for instance against Leeds right and yeah. he was yeah, fantastic yeah. Had a good he's, had a couple, he's had a couple of games where he's been man of the match and it usually comes against these slightly smaller sides I think mm. and um I think he should play instead of four nails in the in the next few games and see how he gets on because I think we're going to need him and I think, I'd be bolder I'd be bolder and I and I'd play him for Noble uh, and I yeah, and I'd say for four hours you'll have to just drop a little bit and you'll have to play alongside Suchek in uh, in midfield mm. uh, and uh, I think we've got to go I mean these five games they will go I think they've shown signs over the last few games that they're going to attack teams. They're going to try and win the games. Yeah, uh, it's shit or bust, isn't it? Really, we've got nothing to lose. Yeah. Um, That's it. There's the prize money or whatever. You know, there's you no know, pressure on Moyes. There is no, no pressure on Moyes. And um, you know, I, it looks like increasingly, like Rice might well be back, even for perhaps Everton. Um, He's back in light training, apparently. Back in light training. Mm. So yeah. we got, we, I mean, we got Masuaku coming back, possibly Cresswell coming back as well. Um, so that'll improve the delivery into the box um, and, and, and so on. Because I thought, you know, there were some things that were a little bit disappointing about the Chelsea game that kind of reverting back to some of the things that we were saying earlier in the season. Final ball wasn't Final that ball, good. Yeah. Some of the set pieces weren't as impressive as they as they have been. You've got Noble floating the ball in again. You know, how long, how many years have been watching that happen, you know, instead of whipping it in. Um, so I feel... Um, you know, we've got to attack these teams. It doesn't matter if we, you know, in the end, we we might go down. I'd want us to go down heroically, uh, going going all guns blazing if if, yeah, if yeah. we do. And and who knows? You know, we can dream. I mean, if we win these five games, we'll probably do it. We'll probably, uh, uh, yeah. but we might have to come close to doing that to actually achieve it. I think. Yeah, yeah. I think. Listen, you're you're absolutely right, and I found that quite Churchillian what you just said. And I think uh, if I had my way, I'd give you a go in the dressing room before a game. Although we've got, you know, for once, not like in the days of Pellegrini or Alan Kerbishley, when you're worried about where the oh, is coming from. You know, I think we've got a good, really good dressing room on that front. But I think, listen, you know, I just say to all West Ham fans, what you are living through now 
is the stuff dreams are made of. That five games, five winnable games between us and the Champions League, right? Do or die. A load of a, a load of really exciting attacking players who, who who generally play with a real smile on their face, enthusiasm. This is what we've lived through all the years of just crappy football, disappointment, indignity at times, right? We've all had to suffer that. So you really have to make the effort to savour what's happening now. Well, yeah, we lost to Chelsea. Teams, I think maybe you said last week, Phil, in in response to the Newcastle game, you can analyse it as much as you want, but sometimes teams just lose football matches, right? Yeah. And and that's it. We haven't, no one's been humiliated. It wasn't, how many times have you seen West Ham lose because the players just didn't really turn up or the manager didn't really make an effort? This doesn't happen now, does it? It doesn't happen. So, yes, we've lost games. So what? So yeah, I mean, um, Manchester pissed. City lost to Leeds, you know, and they're they're like yeah. at the top of the table. But it's like, I don't think there's an expectation that because happened. with eight, eight games to go, Manchester City were at the top of the table. That must mean they're not going to lose another one of those eight games. Of course yeah. they are, because that's how football works. You yeah, and that's what makes loser. football great. But we're yeah. not, we're losing with a little bit of dignity, which is something that we didn't, you know, we, we have not always done. Uh, yeah. They're, they're, you know, I can't believe it, the amount of years and the amount of money we spent on watching West Ham, when you know that a large number of games, we're not only going to lose, we're going to lose without looking like we've even tried to win. I mean, that, that you know, even when we had, good, you know, good teams and good seasons and we enjoyed the football, I, you know, thinking sort of late 90s, early was under Redman, mm. we would still regularly get turned over 4-0. Oh. We would get thrashed away, usually away. I mean, we would we would have good times Upton Park, but away, you'd kind of like if I hadn't gone to the game, I didn't go in those days to lots of away games, go to a few, but if I wasn't at the away game, I'd barely like look out for the score. I'd just because I'd think, well, (laughs) we're away today, which means we will lose. If we are playing in the north of England. We are going to be thrashed by someone. We would get done by Bolton 6-0, wouldn't we? We got done by Everton 6-0 one year, and those are all in the yeah. red nap years, I think. You yeah. Know? Um, and with a team that, you know, had Decanio and Joe Cole and Trevor Sinclair. Uh, you know, red that, nap, that red nap was... literally thought away games were silly, right? He's like, oh, it's a away game. I let Frank Senior deal with them. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'll take a week off when we got one. Yeah. They make, apparently, it's something to do with the rules, but they make you go and play in other teams' stadiums. Which seems ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. right? I, I don't believe that football should be allowed outside of the East End. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I let Frank Senior take care of it. He's, he seems to enjoy it. Um, you know, one of the big talking points of the game was the VAR decision, no. wasn't it? Uh, which was, well, uh, you know, two of them, just... I think, personally. Oh, uh, the handball. Yeah. I, Did you I, think that I, was a handball? Um, well, I think the handball law has been so buggered up that nobody knows whether they're coming or going with it. But mm. in actual fact, you often judge by a player's reaction. If, if, if a player knows he's given away a penalty, they often do that big kind of, I didn't touch him, ref, whatever. Yeah. Instantly, uh, Aspilicueta did the kind of, oh, my arm was by my side. Mm. But what he did with his arm by his side is move his entire body along with his arm <laughs> yeah. to block the ball. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's his handball. Doesn't matter where his fucking hand was. He stopped the ball going towards the goal deliberately. I don't think he deliberately intended to use his hand to do it because it was a bit of body involved as well. 
but he deliberately stopped the ball going towards the goal. Well, we've had, it, we, we, we've had a softer, we've had a softer handball penalty given against us this season. I'm sure I can't remember Definitely. the one. It was more a penalty we, than the Newcastle one that was given. It yeah. was more a penalty than that. And, and yeah. I just think, Jesus Christ! The thing is. I don't under and I don't mean this facetiously. I don't really know the rules of football now. So when it when things like that happen and people get irate, I kind of don't get that irate because I think well, it looks like I I think it looks like a penalty to me, but I don't know what the rules are about handball. Well, they changed and, and, it. They've changed it during the season, even they've yeah, changed exactly. the handball law since we've been doing this stuff. Like, like I don't I, I don't get an irate I don't get irate with the referee, right? When the referee makes a decision that that I because I think that's probably based on the rules that he yeah that's right I mean his job is to interpret the rules and then I but I don't know the rules because they change too often and I just I I got enough fucking time to keep up with all these different rule changes I do know in the case of Balbuena as I understand it that he was sent off just that was a sending off because. There is a rule about kicking the ball too hard, and apparently he was shown a straight red for simply kicking the ball too hard, which is a new directive. <laughs> yeah. If you kick the ball too hard, I don't know how they measure it. I think it's based almost on like there's a panel and they watch it and he's like, "You've kicked that too hard. It was aggressive. It could have. It could. You could have taken someone's head off. Yeah. And it's just not. It's not the sort of thing we want to see in the modern game." It's okay. going to be controversial when the first goal is disallowed because the ball was kicked too hard. Yeah. Well, you don't see many... How many goals do you see scored from outside the area these days? Much like, If you watch yeah. Match of the 70s, right, or the big match on ITV4, right, non-stop fucking screamers on muddy pitches from, like, 50 yards out. Now you because the, uh, the ball was so heavy that there's sort of Newton's laws of motion come in. Like it's like a, a cannonball that gains energy as it travels yeah. further. That, that ball was so heavy, it used yeah. to break the net. It used to get stuck in the stanchion, didn't they? Yeah, but that is that it. Whereas now, no, I mean, there was apparently a lot of people say that Lanzini's goal against Tottenham, he was lucky not to have been sent off for that. Yes. Yes, he was very lucky. Your only hope sometimes in, if, in, if you don't want uh, the follow through to connect with the player is if you, if your leg uh, achieves that crucial speed of 88 miles an hour <laughs> disappears and turns up in 1955 uh, <laughs> yeah, before it hits Ben Chilwell. <laughs> and then, and then the leg, then the leg in 19, 1955 uh, tries to find Ben Chilwell's parents and stop them from having <laughs> Ben Chilwell. Or if it can't, it just kicks. Uh, Mate, it just kicks Ben Chilwell's was, dad. That actually was a strip in Roy the Rovers in the eighties. <laughs> uh, young, young Billy Chilwell. Uh, was struck by lightning whilst kicking a ball at the velocity of 88 miles, miles per hour. Yeah. The next thing he knew, he found himself playing in an FA Cup final in 1955. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, uh, back to the Futre. It was about Paolo Futre. Yeah. <laughs> back to the Futre. Yeah. Excellent. Um, um, of course, it has been rescinded, the red card, as we oh, knew, knew it would. Yeah, yeah. of course. Like getting, that, I mean, it's and just I fucking insane, though, isn't it? I mean, I just... astonishing decision. And, and now, you know, you know, it's a bit like the European Super League. It's like the... Um, the the you know the pundits on all of the sports channels are just openly hostile to it in their match coverage now. Just basically yeah. going, this is stupid. And I just wonder whether the... 
you know, anything will happen because you're just going, what, I mean, what is, I'd like to go to Stockley Park and just see what, you know, see what it's like. They sort of probably portray it as like, you know, mission control in Houston in the NASA years, but it's, oh, it's probably, white coats. yeah, it's probably, you know, it's more like the place Jack Nicholson has to go to in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Do, you know what do, I mean? Yeah, must exactly. just be or like, you know, like when a James, ship of fucking fools. You know, like um, in Man with the Golden Gun and uh, Scaramanga has his sort of volcano lair and yeah. everyone goes around in white coats and sort of golf buggies. That is they how think they're, it's trying, like that. they're trying to say it's like that. But no, it's just it's like, like Dinner Ladies, that Victoria Woods sitcom. Yeah, it's a stocky park. It's probably like a care home or something. Yeah, yeah. You know, where basically they're just watching television and they don't really know what they're watching, but they just like the colour and the movement. Yeah, it's, but I mean uh, that was that was, that was there were two elements to that. Well, no, let's go. I think there are three, you know, abysmal elements to the um, to that sending off. One, Chilwell's reaction, which which yeah, was yeah, yeah. shameful. Because he was up and bouncing around, or was it? So that was, you know. But we see that a lot from yeah. players nowadays. Second was the kind of time it took VAR, you know, slowing it down. You know, to, to, it should have just the referee hadn't given anything. He's kicked the ball and followed through. The bloke's run onto the end of his foot, and you know, it's not even a foul. Move on. Um, but then when the referee goes to look at it, he is the only person in the universe who looks at that. And says that's that's a red card. Everybody else is yeah. like, oh, not a foul. That's okay. He's just kicked the ball and couldn't help mm. it. The bloke's run into his foot as it's yeah. followed through. Um, and it's the it's a referee wanting it to be about him again. He's like you know Mike Dean, the you know son of Dean, isn't he? I, I, it's got to be about me. I've got I've, my ego. I, I really wish. Uh, one of the things I've I've always kind of um, I used to like about cricket when I used to watch a lot of cricket was that a lot of the umpires were former players. They played the game. They yeah. knew the game. Uh, not 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 you know from the players' perspective. And I wish you know I wish we wrote in you know instead of fucking around with all this money and agents whatever. Why don't you when you set up the Premier League and you're going to go it's going to be the best league in the world. Why don't they set up a system where we are we going to play pay referees really good money? And we're going to get ex pros to come in and be referees because they understand and know. I would love, I would love to see Graham Souness referee again, <laughs> like actually be out there on the pitch in the black uniform and everything. Right? I'd fucking love that. It'd be amazing. I mean, genuinely, it'd be really good. I mean, a lot of these referees not being funny. I mean, it sounds like I'm just being silly or cheap, but they're really out of shape, which partly offends me because I sort of think this is this just this bad reflection on a professional sport that the guy who's supposed to be running around and keeping up with this game just looks amateurish right and that 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 that's poor Graham Souness no one's going to give him back chat he'd be very <laughs> quick to make firm decisions wouldn't he yeah um, yeah I mean, one of my favourite Graham Sears stories is uh, from Kieran Dyer's autobiography, which is a really good book. And he, when Graham Sears first turned up at Newcastle, the story was, was that he was supposed to, he was supposed to be kind of giving a shake up because the dressing room had got a little bit anarchic and out of control under Bobby Robson. Bobby Robson was too old and nice, sort of thing. And so all these players like Lee Bowyer and Kieran Dyer and Craig Bellamy were out of control. So Newcastle thought, well, we better get Sears in. And within the first week, 
uh, Kieran Dye got arrested for being pissed <laughs> up the tomb, right? And he, they had him in a cell and they put a call in to Graham Souness. And Graham Souness had barely spoken to Kieran Dye before because it was his first week. So Kieran Dye was thinking, oh, for fuck's sake, they've called the manager because I think the ma- I think they'd had an arrangement with the police. If any of my players come in, call me. So the man, so Graham Souness turns up in the car. Comes to the cell. They let Kieran Dyer out. Kieran Dyer goes, all right, boss, I'm sorry. Sooness says nothing, right? Walks out, gets in his car. Kieran Dyer gets in the car next to him. Drives in complete silence to Kieran Dyer's house. Kieran Dyer's just sat there thinking, what the fuck's going on? Why isn't he saying anything? This is so weird. Oh, my God, what's he going to do? And sort of towards the end of the journey, think, maybe I've just got away with it. And they pull up outside his house and he opens his door and goes, huh. Cheers, boss. And he goes, all right. And he goes, oh, and Kieran. And he goes, yes, boss. And he turns around and he goes, if you ever do anything like that again, I will beat you up. <laughs> and it's the one, he just said it very calmly and fixed him in the eye when he said it. And Kieran I just goes in the butt. And I knew he meant it. There was no sort of like overblown kind of, I will beat, I will break you or I will grind you into ground. Just like, if you do that again, I will beat you up. <laughs> okay, understood. <laughs> because ultimately, no one wants to be beaten up, do they? And no. with that attitude, I think he would make a superb referee. Yeah, or like a sort of head boy at a school, like Flashman. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. threatening to beat people up. <laughs> oh, you wouldn't want to be beaten up again, would you, Dyer? <laughs> <laughs> it, it would be good if there was a sort of series of beatings at the end of every training session based on sort of miscreants from the but, squad. Uh, Jim, at, the, at your school, is there an official school bully who wears a top hat and is allowed to be the smallest? <laughs> Good Lord, no. No, 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 no. Are you sure? Uh, absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. Things have moved on. Really it's all have. done by um, WhatsApp these days, isn't it, Jim? <laughs> oh, is there a school cyber bully? <laughs> <laughs> there is. There's always cyber bullying, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's no official... Uh, well, if there is, nobody knows who it is. It's not officially it hides behind and sponsored by a local business like they used to be in the old <laughs> days, a local estate agents. <laughs> Twelve bullies have broken away and formed their own league. Of <laughs> they just bully each other and no bully is relegated. <laughs> An to elite league. bully league. <laughs> um, yes. Okay. Well, that's, um, that's probably uh, that's probably it for oh, this podcast. We've, we've been going covered, on for fucking covered, ages. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, we've got Burnley, haven't we? Next Monday, is that? Yeah. Monday, so we've got a good, good long rest uh, for our tiny squad of players to try and sort of get their breath back after the Chelsea yeah. game. But um, uh, And maybe, you know, there might be one or two returning. Um, you know, hope so. Uh, and possibly a slight shake-up of the team. Um we hope for that too. He does seem to. I mean, you know, he uh, he obviously really trusts Noble in that in that role. And sometimes when the team plays a bit, you know, the the other team sort of uh, gives us space to push forward. He's actually all right protecting the back four. But yeah, I think I, when I mean, we're finding it hard to break through, I think is you know the, the the sort of lack of speed and dynamism does hold us back a bit. You know. Yeah, yeah. But, but I, know, I, I think he's done a good job. He has. Yeah, yeah. He's totally. had to come in. He's he's, pretty yeah. old. he's done all right. He's never. You, you can't compare no. anyone to Rice, let alone no, someone no. who's Noble's age, because there's no one in the division who's as good as Rice. I don't think uh, in that position. But 
he's come in and he's done a solid job. And and I I would I think he'll continue. And but I would like to see Ben Rama brought in. Yeah, I, I think, think so too. I think it'll be a tough game. This, but of course it'll be tough. And of course they just thrashed Wolves, and it's never easy going away to Burnley. But what we can say, hand on heart, which we wouldn't have said in previous seasons when we had to face Burnley away, always tough game, is we are a better team than Burnley. Yeah, yeah. We are a better team than Burnley, and that's what we need to remember going into it, is that, of course, they'll defend, of course, they'll put everyone behind the ball, but we are better than them, and we should win it. And that's what Moyes should tell the players, you know? Absolutely. Predictions then, Jim? Um. I, I I think we will. Uh, I think we will attack them. I think they'll sit deep. Um, I'm I'm relieved that Balbuena is uh, available because the, the those big three centre halves at the back, Dawson, Balbuena, and Ogbonna are going to have a battle on their hands. But they're up. They're the kind of they're Dawson the kind of back. You Jim, was it just a one game suspension? Yeah, because yeah. it was two right. yellows. Yeah, right. Okay. So um, uh, I, I, and I'd like those three. I, I, I like Diop as well, but I, I just think we need to. It's going to be a war. Yeah. <laughs> um, I personally we need, think Diop's my least favourite of them. I think they're all good. Yeah. I think Diop yeah, do, does good. have a tendency yeah. to switch off occasionally. Yeah, a little bit. Um, I've got to go. I've got it. We've got you know. We've got to stay. Keep the positivity. Um, Two one. I think we're gonna. We'll, we'll. 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 It's gonna be tight. It's gonna be really tough, and it's gonna be messy. Mm. You know. But I think we'll. We'll get. We'll get a. You know. A chatty set piece or something and, yeah. and Lingard will do something spectacular 2-1 excellent Sam 2-1 uh, yeah agree with how I think the game's going to go but I think it'll be similar to like the games against was it Sheffield United where it was like that it was very tight and we mm. and we nicked it and, and Everton as well late goals so yeah 1-0 Thomas Suchek from a set piece situation mm. yes I wanted 1-0 um, this makes me makes me think anything else. I don't know. One all. Um, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna be I'm gonna say Burnley one, West Ham three. Wait, yeah. yeah. could happen. I mean, we're, we're much yeah, better than could. them. So I mean, yeah. basically, that win made them safe. So mm. you know, they're not going to yes. beat somebody four nil, two nil, two two times running. You know, so they 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 spent a lot. They don't score many goals, and they spent a lot of their. Their goal money. Their goal energy. In that, in that, yeah. <laughs> in that last game. So, um, keep uh, this clip for next week, Jim. Maybe we'll keep catch this cl- cold. You failed. Clip this out for next week. The exact yeah. Yeah, 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 They're yeah, not going to yeah. win 4 0 twice in a row. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, all right. Well, this has been Stop Hammer Time. My name's Phil Whelans. And with me this week have been Jim Grant. Cheerio. And Sam Delaney. Bye bye. Come on, you irons. This is a Playback Media production. Get all the associated links for this podcast at westhampodcast.com. Sports Social Podcast Network. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.